the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. And welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. My name is Melissa Obratka. I am flying solo today with an amazing return guest. This is Kevin Lopez. Kev talks teeth. He's back again. Hey, Kevin. Hey, everyone. Hey, good to see you again. <laughs> love, love, love some time with Kev. So we invited Kev to come back today because uh, we've been having some like off the cuff conversations, he and I in regards to some of the new salary surveys and just the survey of our profession in general that have been released recently. And um, we were just gonna get on here and chat it out and just kind of talk about like, you know, what's going on salary wise, what's been happening, uh, staffing shortages and all the things related to the dental hygiene profession. I'm so excited. This is like, this is one topic that everyone talks about, but when we want to get provocative about it, it's always on the other, we always push against the doctors and sometimes we have to kind of look at ourselves and I love when we get to do self-awareness. So this is gonna be fun. Yeah, there is the disclaimer for this episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're so, open to self-awareness, which is great for our health, this is gonna be wonderful for us. Absolutely. So if you're driving to work right now, listening in, and you're already a little bit salty about having to go in for the day, um, hopefully you can have an open mind with what we're going to say, because some of our problems, and this is with anybody, anything in life, sometimes the problems that you are experiencing, you need to just take a deep breath and take a step back and look in the mirror and be like, how? Do, what are the things that I can control here? And, and just look a little bit from a, a different vantage point and have that self-awareness to say, okay, uh, maybe I'm asking for this, but what do I need to do differently to get this or make this happen, whatever the this may be. So it's not just mm -hmm. something that has to do with our clinical work and our value per hour. You know, this is something that we're going to discuss that you could apply in every area of your life. So that's our little disclaimer before we dig into the provocativeness that we are about to embark upon. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, Kev, um, why don't we start with, uh, you know, we, we have that annual salary survey report that gets released for dental hygienists. And yes. we know since COVID, um, the salaries, you know, the, the demand has gone way up because we had this mass exodus of hygienists when that happened. They were like, Bitch, please. It was hard before. I ain't doing this now. It's 10 times harder. <laughs> so they all took off <laughs> and left us straggling behind to have to meet that need when doors were opened and we were getting back into uh, patient care. So uh, tell me, you know, before we get into the salary aspect of it, tell me a little bit about your experience when, you know, COVID was, you know, in the midst of it and we just got back to practice. How, how was that for you? It was wild because I graduated right before COVID hit right so like the summer of or fall of 2019 and then I went to an office that I already had lined up but I saw the immediate change when we were shut down sheltering in place and then when we were coming back only half the team showed up yeah. and we were like oh and they were like okay that's you know everyone was very touchy so it's like okay that's fine and then there was like the well I'm not coming back unless x y and z but they never showed up to the meetings about what are we going to do to prepare for the comeback? Because is this a paid meeting or not? And so it was a lot of that. But then you're, I, I don't know if it was just, I have a background in business. I was like, well, sometimes you, sometimes there's time you need to invest in your time. Right. And for the sake of yourself, it's not always about the big buck, especially in our field. I think we forget. Yeah. So when I, when we were doing the preparations to come back. No, like it was only me, the doctor and one assistant that actually showed up to our meetings like every once in a while. And those were paid, the doctor was great about it. And then we go into we go back into practice, we open up doors and only half the team showed up. And then two of the hygienists never came back and we were, or one hygienist never came back. And it was because she was asking for wages that were completely off the charts because 
COVID. And, and, you know, that was the time that on Facebook you heard, oh, because I didn't have unemployment or we struggled trying to get unemployment while we were sheltering in place, we need to make up for it, which is I totally understandable for uh, for everybody across the board. And, but I wondered, the, the amount they were asking was like, what, $15, $20 more than what we were getting. And I was like, okay. Yeah. But when I came back, I was I don't know if I'm in trouble for saying this. And if she's listening, I'm so sorry, but not sorry. I was coming back with patients who were heavily involved and having Mm -hmm. to show doctor that we need to do retreatments. And these retreatments had been done less, you know, the the procedures were done, what, less than two years ago. So if you're talking insurance, we can't charge them anything. So it's a free two-hour block where he still has to pay me. So there was a lot of frustration on that. And I'm, I'm working, and a lot of dentists were very, very frustrated but they're also very desperate. So I'm seeing, right. I was seeing that. And then now my, my current home practice, we see that we're having conversations about, okay, so this is what we're making. This is the market for our specific area. And then when we bring the table to, to the doctors, so this is what we're seeing. There's an increase or X, Y, and Z. They're always telling us about insurance, insurance, insurance. And we're like, okay, I get the change, the piece of change, but now we can, they, they, they love us but they feel challenged because we like to talk about, okay, well, we're coming from a business standpoint now. So we understand this, but we're bringing this to the table versus what you are, what you may need to look for if you don't have us. Right, right. But yeah. that took a lot of self-awareness on our side of like, what does our, um, it's not just the KPIs, but what does our actual performance, not in numbers, but in quality of care, and consistency with the patients. What does that look like for your practice? And how consistent is your hygiene program? Is it what's your period percentage in the sense of X, Y, and Z? And like Beautiful. how healthy are your and how and how actually healthy are they? And what yes. do your chart notes look like? Are they fully legal? Are your x-rays diagnostic? Like just those little things make such a huge difference for the doctor. Cause if you're gonna take an x-ray and the doctor sees overlap and they can't see anything through the contacts, like where is the rep if you know if there is carious lesions, where is gonna be Where's their revenue in that? So the, are they seeing the value of what we bring to the table? And I'm- Oh my gosh, there's, yeah. Can we right? unpack like 10 things here? Cause you- Sorry, there was so much. No, no, <laughs> but it was amazing. It was amazing. So first off, for some of us who don't know, because we're, we're dental hygienists, right? We go through rigorous two years, sometimes more, you know, depending on the programming you're in. But we have two years of like, we are packing your brain with so much information in, in a short period of time that you know a hygienist like yourself you've got a business background like you started out which we covered in our first episode with kev how he got into dentistry so if you don't if you haven't listened to that go back to i think it was season two and listen to that one um but you know kevin started out in more of the admin area of the office and then went through his schooling and and became a hygienist so for those of us who just get into hygiene school and maybe don't have that experience in an office ahead of time Let's talk about like, what is a KPI? Like KPI stands for key performance indicators, but a lot of clinicians don't know or recognize that you as a dental hygienist, it's a business within a business. And, you know, that hygiene department is really yours to kind of run and, you know, work coincide with the doctor, bring things to the table. So like, let's talk about what are some KPIs for a hygienist to be able to like establish themselves or have a little bit more business savvy to within the dental practice. Yeah, sure. Um, so for our practice, when we look at KPIs and it may differ from like the main definition of it. And I should say, I should preface, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. First off, as a student and a new grad, I want to give you guys a key advice. If your school says, because it happened to me as a student, they said, don't talk about insurance fees or, or business with your doctors. Throw that out the wall. You should learn yeah. it for your advantage. Because they were like, oh, it's a hard conversation to have with patients, X, Y, and Z. No, if you show them that you have that, you are an asset. You are already yeah. an asset, but you you have such more weight to your yeah. your your asset value as a clinician and as a collaborator in your in the practice of being a business within the business i just have to start with that now going into the kpis for us we look at what our on for through a year or through a quarter we look at our average of our production as a whole day not just the hygiene column because we're still we still have certain insurances that we carry 
So it wouldn't be fair just to base it off of insurance because we schedule our own patients, but we aren't told, okay, this is just a one insurance specific day. You know, you can't do that. So we right. look at it as a whole, a whole team together with, uh, what is it? One doctor, three hygienists. If we've met goal every quarter or how close we were to goal, and then we break it down. What was doctor's restorative side? What did they make versus what we made? And then we look, then we break it down to our, is it, i trying to remember. We showed them that we had X amount of three month, four months, six month, and then our, and then our non-surgical cases. So the three month, four month, six months, it didn't matter whether it was a periodontal maintenance or a profi, it was showing that these were consistent. How oft, how confirmed are these patients? And then showing, because we are a GBT certified practice, we disclose, but anytime we should be disclosing anyway, but we have pictures to show the patients went from involved to healthy. And so we're seeing the consistency. And then based on that, like how committed are these patients? How um, high the case acceptance is when we recommend certain uh, treatment from our side? How often are we doing handoffs to the doctor too? Yeah. For treatment yeah. considerations. So those are the things that we look at as a team and like we'll break it down to each week. Like we had X amount of patients for doctor to look at mm -hmm. and then we stayed on time with this. And then on hours, we stayed within our, um, our, our scheduled hours and still brought this amount to the table. And then did it look like the office blew up yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> so those are things I we look at as a team. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's that's a really great view because everybody could do that a little bit differently. But I love how you brought in right from the start of what you were taught as a student and how that wasn't really the best advice. And I know a lot of programs are not taking the time to really dig into CBT coding and how we work that in as a new grad and you get out and you're kind of like very green to begin with, but then like not really knowing that and no you know, the way we do things in clinic is complete the patient. The patient needs to be completed, but we're not really talking about what category we stage and we grade them, but then we don't really, we're not great yet at teaching you where that stage or grade falls within a CBT code. Right. So I'm just putting this out there. Like we've had this stage and grading system for a few years now. We can't call <laughs> it new anymore. I don't know why the coding commission has not just adopted codes that correspond to each stage and grade. Like to me, oh, that's yeah. a no brainer, like super Absolutely. easy, boom. Now you're, you're getting paid your worth as a practice. The patient is getting staged and created accordingly. And the insurance is forced to reimburse differently because we don't, we don't see the majority of prophylaxis patients. If we look yeah. statistically, more people have inflammation and bone loss than they do healthy people. Oh yes. So this, this is a really big problem within our profession well if we look at the statistics alone right what well, i think was it Cigna that came out with that report before not well, how long ago was it where it was like yeah almost 50 percent was it 49 percent or almost 50 percent right of americans over the age of 30 have yes yeah that's that's actually the cdc and aap that that released that report okay 47 percent of 47 percent uh, american adults age 30 and above had some form of periodontal disease yeah. And so that's already telling. But then when you look at and so I suggest that everybody ask at their huddles, can we see what's being attached to the, the patient's treatment? Because there's two parts of it. One is for you to understand what you're seeing. And then on the legal aspect, and if and the and God forbid it doesn't happen, if you get audited, is are the codes going to align with what you're doing for your patient? And this is where the and this is where the problem is. I think <laughs> this is the provocative part. I think we've, we hear from the dentists. I'm going to get thrown under the bus for this. Oh my God. But the, all the I'll dentists are dropping. You. All the dentists are the saying dentists drop. I can. Well, no, because I just, I think like, <laughs> I come from a different background of like a low, of like a, I come from a town where not everyone can afford care. And I think yeah. we've never educated our patients on understanding that dental insurance is not the same as medical insurance. I have to, yes. and we need, and as clinicians, sometimes we have to have that conversation with them. Yes. If we're trying to talk about, you know, you really need this. And on the hygiene side, you know, most of the time patients are going to come back to the hygienist. Like, is, do I really need to get this crown or do I really need to yeah. be seen every X, you know, amount of months. And it's, you have to kind of explain to them like, okay, it's easy to say yes, because 
the evidence shows X, Y, and Z. But when you have to understand, we went through a global pandemic and it's, and you know, economy is not that great for everybody. Right. And so when you tell these, when the dentists are saying we're dropping insurances or going on a network, I just feel, and I understand why, because reimbursements, mm-hmm. you know, insurance is a whole other thing that needs to be unpacked and they need to be held accountable, but they're not reimbursing offices enough. So how does an office thrive? I get that. But at the same right. time, that means we're dropping these patients unless they somehow scrabble the money up and some can, but most cannot at this time. If you really look at what's happening in our country, just in general, it has been a struggle the entire time, but they don't understand that their insurance on the dental side does not practice or, or function the same way that their medical health insurance or Medicare, if they have Medicare, does. That everyone's like, oh, tell them it's like a coupon. They don't still get that. I open up my mailbox and there's coupons and because it's paper, I throw it away. I don't know what that is. I should actually, yeah. I really should be looking at that, but you see the lack of information <laughs> and yeah, awareness. 100%. So when we we talk about that with the patients and then at the same time, make them understand like we can't submit certain things to the insurance if it's not what really happened. Yeah. Just because yeah. it's a covered benefit and we can play and we think we can play around does not mean that legally we can. Cause now let's put it back in your shoes. If you said a nurse was, or um, a hospital was going to bill out this kind of surgery, even though you had this kind of surgery for the sake of you getting covered. But then now if you really need that specific surgery that you just got billed out, now it's like $10,000 up your booty. Because now you can't have it. You've already paid for you to have that. Yeah. And that's, that's a big problem. And that's, I mean, we totally should come back and do a whole nother episode on just insurance and coding and, and cause it's even different yeah. for Australian listeners or, you know, listeners in other countries, like there's similarities, yeah. but there's a lot of differences as well. And insurance companies are not in the business. I say this to my patients all the time and my perspective is different. I'm in a fee for service specialty practice. So like mm-hmm. we don't participate with any insurance companies. So we have a lot more flexibility and freedom yeah. with our patient base. And they're also, you know, they're a little more high end. So they have, you know, they have funding to be able to allocate to this. There's been times, and I've learned this lesson because I came from an insurance practice before coming there. So when I first started, I had a little bit of like, I was opting patients out of treatment because I was, I was worried about their finances. Cause that's the patient population I was used to where yeah. they were like, once I get it, I understand I have disease, but I can't afford to pay for this. My insurance, like put it through. We waited the 30 days. They came back and said, no, we won't do it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know what to do. I can't afford this. So, you know, we would always come up with plan B and, and try to make it fit in their life. And, and that was words that I started to integrate into my patient communication. Look, this is, this is what we see. This is the problem. This is the consequence if you choose to do nothing. Here's the solution we have for you. How can we help the solution fit into your life? And I'm you can concerned abs- about what I see because, you know? Yeah, and you can still absolutely do that with um, just across the board. You can still do that with your patients. There has to be... A way that we think creatively sometimes versus just dropping it and being like, I don't want to deal with it because not enough time. There's a way to invest our time right. more efficiently in the room. But if they, mm-hmm. if the, I think as a clinician, when you going back to trying to understand it for the hygienists that are out there and the any provider that that's out there, learning those little things makes it all the worthwhile for the patients to listen to you to also mm-hmm. try to think about their own ways of ad, self advocacy towards their insurance because at the end of the day we don't deal with we shouldn't be dealing with it but it's a problem right now that we can we can face head-on for them because they you know if we're gonna help them advocate for their own health it's a it's a bigger picture if you know we always talk about interprofessional collaboration god god forbid like we already are pushing to talk to doctors with medical consultations but and most of us are getting those things so if we're getting that part of the picture but there's still a bigger picture to that we can still elevate bringing it back when I talk to my doctors about this that's when they're like oh you know your stuff but it's like my team my hygiene team not everyone came from a front office background but we we have those conversations yes yeah and so learning that and bringing it makes it look or and we present ourselves as a very strong foundational team that's really there for both the practice and the patients and some of the insurances are, are transitioning out, but we're having these conversations with our patients who will do what they can. And we've provided as an office resources for them. And it's not just care credit. It's like with different 
ways for them to financially afford the care that we want to give because we don't want to drop them in or give subpar care just because we can't afford it either. Right, right. Because we live in right? a world where I just pulled up the article where Mike Williams from Tampa Bay Buccaneers died from dental hygiene issues. So like that is, that's a problem that we live in a world like that where a professional football player for, and I don't know what the barrier to care was. Maybe it was more of an emotional barrier, a fear-based barrier rather than a financial one. But we just have to, as clinicians, be cognizant of a lot of things. And that's what makes our profession sometimes a little bit stressful because we're like this middleman in between mm-hmm. the business side and the patient and the care side. So it's it can be, you know, feel like all of this pressure is on us. Yeah. And then clinicians who are doing all the things and dotting the I's and crossing the T's and providing really high level care, those clinicians deserve to have those conversations with their doctors where they're like, hey, you know what? Here's the salary survey. And I'm falling a little bit below that right now exactly. in my area, as opposed to somebody who doesn't pick up a probe and I'm going to get provocative now, <laughs> as opposed to someone who does not pick up a probe and has the patient come in and, Hey, how's it going? How's your cat? How's your dog? How's this? How's that? And grabs my scalers, does a little super gingival scalaroo, grabs my profi paste on RDA like 57. Cause I don't want to go back and have to get that stain off after oh, and sends them on their way. So that's, that's where there's a problem within our profession. So the, some of us that are just going in and polishing teeth and asking for these outrageous healthcare dollars, we have a disconnection. You know, and that's so funny you say that because when, I, when you look at that um, salary report, they were saying that even though the, for some, you know, the market, the pays, the hourly wages went up because inflation and, but satisfaction of the job went down. Went down. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. That was sarcastic, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, um, we just spent like 10, well, we just spent like 10 minutes about it, but no, we, if, if job <laughs> satisfaction went down, what do you think it is? And mind you, this is, you, like you said earlier, a huge portion, and I, th- my, I think it was in my article, it was 13%, I think, left the profession in 2020, in the article that I did a while back. And so that means that there's Which the we'll rest link of in my, the show notes. Oh, thank you. Um, but there's, we have the new, and you know, there's a new, an incoming generation of, of hygienists who are having to fix, and this is intergener- right, intergenerational trauma, but we're, we're fixing or we're auditing charts. And that was like the first three years of my career, all I did was audit charts, technically, every time I saw the patient. And I was almost feeling that burnout so early. And I would hear from other clinicians, they're like, you literally just started. But I'm like, yeah, but when you look at how involved these patients are and there's nothing here for me to work with how how do you expect me not to get burnt out how of course you're burnt out because you we just left this patient alone and that it goes towards ethics and then the dentist uh-huh. doesn't really mind you we go to school for how long what two at it, core itself of hygiene is what two years almost and then the dentists yeah. only take what a semester or two on preventive dentistry yeah they're not going to truly understand exactly or they you know to an extent that's why they have us as as teammates and as collaborators you know to real to give them that information but they they trust us it's not like oh it's the doctor's responsibility just because we practice under their license wherever part of the state we're at we still work with them and so it's a whatever we may not understand about caries or endodontics or whatever other you know scope that they may understand we bring to the table preventive dentistry we bring to the table perio and having that conversation they trust us with that and so they expect that they expect like whatever you say is like bible right right and and then the other piece of it like i know that some hygienists get burnt out because they spend all this time educating their patient doc walks in the last 10 minutes and says everything looks great you're doing a good job pat on the back and leave and you feel very undervalued or deflated because mm-hmm. they just undid what you've been educating on for the previous 45 minutes or what have you so that's another thing that creates that space of burnout and, and you just get frustrated and then you're just like, well, I don't get paid enough money for this garbage and, and yeah. perpetuate that. And then I want to commend you because as a new hygienist, and I will be totally honest with you, like when I first started, 
I just committed to the culture of the practice. If everyone else mm. just took bite wings, I was like, well, should I take bite wings or should I update the FMS? I, I'm, I don't know what to do. Like, I didn't want to rock the boat, right? I didn't want to come in and have the other hygienists that, you know, I looked up to as I was an assistant in the office and now I'm coming in as a hygienist and I didn't want them to be like, oh, Melissa, stop oh, that. Like, that's not what we do here. 100%. You know? Yeah. So it's challenging for new hygienists when they come in, especially if they don't have a mentor or have, you know, a, a, even just like a base of other, you know, their, their peers from graduating and being like, Hey, are you, this is happening in my practice. What's going on in yours. But what I always say to the students that I have the honor of working with as they're leaving our nest and going out into the real world is that like, don't ever forget how hard you worked to get through this program, to mm -hmm. pass your boards, to earn this license. And what we have taught you here is standard of care. It's the baseline for safe care for patients. Yeah. You can go above it, but don't ever go below it. Exactly. And that's what ends up happening, unfortunately. And I, I did it too in the beginning because I didn't, you know, I just wanted, I didn't want to rock the boat and I wanted to go with the flow, but I'm really grateful that I also worked with phenomenal dentists, like as a baby, even before I was a dental hygienist that had really good work ethic, cared about their patients, really cared about the standards that they provided. And that always kind of sat with me where that voice in my head was like, you know what? No, do the FMS. Yeah. That's what the patients do for. And you know why, and you'd explain it and boom, you'd get case acceptance. So it's like, I want to, I think one of the key things that we both want to articulate today is that do what's right, not what's easy. Exactly. And it's like, I think, we get stuck in, we just want to, how do you say this? You just, you just want to keep a job so you get complacent, right? Or like, you know, like yeah. you said earlier, the death, you spend so many minutes of that precious time trying to educate this patient on what they need. And then because there's, you see there's a problem and there's dentists that come in and they're like, okay, you're good to go. Sometimes it's worth having that conversation with the doctor. But if you really find that you guys aren't in alignment, and you keep waking up every morning with just this like anxiety or stomach. the Monday blues yeah. and the pit in your stomach. Does that really mean you're meant to be there? Now, granted, depending on what part of the map of you're on, anywhere you are, I know that there's a little harder. But trust me, these new generation of dentists, I mean, you see it on, sound, we're going to sound so old, so we're, you see it on the TikTok and on the Instagram reels. <laughs> That, I love that, that you even just said we're like we're the same age group. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I, you know, we're we're kindred we're kindred spirits. Okay, but like when I see it, I you know my doctors are are I have a for me I have like one that's a little more experienced and then one that's around my age, but they're both partner owners, so we get like good ends of it. Not everyone's gonna get that, but you know you see it on social media that these dentists they do want to do right by their patients. They're opening up practices in like rural areas because, you know, obviously, you know, housing market is just like a whole different crazy situation, but people are moving out of the metropolitan cities, going into the rural places that you may feel like, I can't find a job here. Or, you know, reach out, you never know. Or just really look at what, if you, again, just bottom line, do what's right for the patient and also do what's right if you feel it in your heart that you need to, find a place that aligns with you. Yeah. Keep moving until you find it. I know I, I yeah. see it on I see it on forums on Facebook that it takes the, some take years. It took me a while too. And mm -hmm. I don't know life might change and it I it makes right what I think right now is right for me may be different later, but as long as I know my fundamental values of ethics and it's doing right by the patient, it's legal, it's ethically sound, then I can I'm going to stay here until life tells me to to move on like Mary Poppins. Move on. Absolutely. And I think it's really important for hygienists to look at themselves. You know, you are a provider, you have your own license, mm -hmm. you, and you took an oath before you left your program that you were going to continue your education. You were going to take good care of your patients, that you were going to, you know, be, be ethically sound and a lifelong learner and, and adapt with technology changes and scientific changes. Like we all took a vow to do that. So, you know, we, we, as a profession, we got to walk our talk. We got to, yeah. you know, the ethic piece is a, a ethics piece is a really big one. And I, I hate to say it. And, you know, I, I don't want to come off like a, a being rude or disrespectful, but 
I mean, Tabitha and I both have been very open about some of the mistakes that we have done. And we, we gasp if we think back of like, oh my gosh, how I behaved as a younger hygienist. I, I, yeah. I would never do that now, but it's part of learning. It's part of growth. And it's okay. Like, I don't want people to, to come off thinking like we're bashing people at all. Cause that's not what it is. Just learn from it, you know? And if yeah. it feels like I always say to my students as they're leaving too, if it feels icky, it's icky. Like follow that gut response. You know, if yeah. you just, if something's just not sitting with you, right. Use your voice and it's okay to say no. Um, you know, you just have to really be in alignment in the practice. And like you said, it, it, some people find it job one. Some people find it five years later, 10 different practices. You just, you know, your people when you get there and yeah, you do. then there's a reason, a season and a lifetime on top of that. So, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that that's your forever home either. So sometimes yeah. circumstances in life change. I think that one key thing that we look, that I look at now as a hygienist and mind you, I'm only four and a half years in, but I do look at these numbers, not just because of my background, but because we're seeing all those conversations about how much are you getting paid? How much are you getting paid? Or yeah. how much should I be asking for? And then I look at the numbers of what the salaries look like. And I'm like, you know, most hygienists are, either, most of them, the, the profession is still dominantly female, partnered, or has families. And then you look at these numbers and I'm like, you know, our country runs on dual income households for the most part. But this is right. such a privilege to have what we have right now that shouldn't we be returning the favor back to our patients because that's what we're receiving but I don't know I that might sound a little like soapboxy but really in my head because when I you were saying earlier ethics we have to like keep up with technology and understand that we have to push the envelope forward I personally haven't gotten a raise in two years I didn't and I know people like to ask yearly what I did instead was um my hygiene team and I we we thought in our area we were on the higher end of, of the salary of the wages what if we ask and try to compete provide us with the CEs because our practice doesn't have that can you instead of giving us a raise can you provide us with certain benefits or can you purchase these equipments for us could you implement this practice and what we found was it wasn't a hard or an awkward conversation to have anymore because it's not like I just need a raise it's uh, like for me, I'm single, so I have to pay for my own health insurance. I work part-time, so I pay for my own health insurance. So I just wanted to make sure that as long as my wages align at home that I can live decently comfortably here, what I can ask for now is how can I make my job better <laughs> and my yeah, patient's yeah, life better? And the doctors appreciate that. They appreciate it because they're, they're just thinking, oh my God, I can't afford to pay this, this salary. But then they're like, but it's like, okay, hey, if I have this KPI for you, if I have this presentation where I've been doing your practice a solid for this long, maybe the excess that you're making, which is not a lot, but it's just a little bit that you can, you know, invest instead of investing in a raise for the team, we've agreed for some of us, or I agree if I'm a single hygienist, to put it towards my, my hygiene budget so I can get sharp instruments, so I can get new technology so I can go to a CE or take the time off to go to a conference I don't right, that's uh, I, doctors I love that they may they may usually are more open-minded to that because it's not like a a chronic you know how we talk about like chronic it's constant like every day you're thinking I, I raised her her fee so this is going to be the X amount I have to pay out every time sometimes for them like cool I can just throw it out right now with what I got and then I'll work for the rest later on the in the mind right. of a dentist mind you as right. a practice owner that could be a possibility so when we so look at that if you know you're living within your means but you're just seeing how much everyone's getting paid for out there look at your your immediate surrounding are you happy with what you have in the op for your patients that's another provocative statement there because i want i think it's gonna hurt all of us to say that as a profession we kind of drop the ball with our ethics yeah as a whole not everybody but as a whole we're gonna we have to generalize it because the ones that are doing it right are getting tired of having to carry the weight for the rest. Uh, and if yeah. we don't say anything, we don't say anything. We're just going to continue this trauma and this bad habit of this legacy of just like, that's just how we do it here. When at the end of the day, who does it affect that we swore an right. oath for? Our patients. It's the patients. It's the people that we promise to take good care of. Uh, and that's, not, that's not fair to them. It's, it's not. not and, 
and they don't know they're not educated they have a really low dental iq like they yeah. know what their insurance tells them which their their employer picks their package for them that you get two free cleanings a year whoopee doo doo okay well that's not your uh, periodontal screening that's not your oral cancer screening nope. that's not your nutritional counseling all of these things that we're taught to do oral hygiene instruction all of those things that we're taught to do a cleaning is a d1110 and as we mentioned earlier, statistically speaking, there's only 50%, not even because peri uh, gingivitis, if we take that in consideration, gingivitis is probably about 80% of the population. So there's only about 20% of people that fit into the prophylaxis box. We were just having this conversation at work where I think um, one of the dentists, I was talking to them about, you know, differences in CDT coding and what we should be identifying patients as. And we're, we're working on getting everyone on board with it. And again, see, I'm not, we're not in a perfect practice. We're just, we're, but we work, we work together to learn um, where they're like, oh, but that, um, I know that there's a new, not new code anymore. It's been out for a while, the 4346 for gingival inflammation right. scaling. What does that truly entail, right? It, it, if anything, when you look at it, we, dentists were upset because at, during COVID or since COVID, there were more denials on non-surgical cases because they were just, you know, that first meeting that they had with the patient, they build a profi, and then now you're submitting a, an authorization for a deep cleaning. Again, this is for insurance, not fee for service, but as an auditor, you're like, why did you do something on a healthy patient and not ask for something that's heavily diseased? Um, come fuzzled, make it make sense. The math yeah. ain't math in. So we, I was like, oh yeah, well, if you look at it, there's a code for it, but not everyone's educated on our side to know what that code means or what the patient knows. So we tell the patients now, or I'm bringing the idea of like, well, let them know. It's not gonna be called a prophylaxis or a cleaning. It, this is gingival inflammation, because that's what you have. And so if you have this, the risk of X, Y, and Z increase. Now we're having that conversation, educating them. The fees are a little, the, it looks like the fees are a little different with your insurance. Although it shares frequencies, we can't flip the codes. Because if you look at it, it's saying that one visit you're healthy, one visit you're not, one visit you're healthy, one visit you're not there's presence of disease right now. And the risk of you going into that non-surgical intervention is so high. And when you break the dentist, like, well, if the insurance doesn't cover it, then what are we going to do? I was like, well, if they know, if the patients are at least aware, we've given them the option. Why are we not giving them the option to make a decision about their care? Where is the informed consent yeah. in that? Where is the autonomy yeah. in that? We have to yeah. give them the option. And if they really, if they don't trust us, they're not for us. Your vibe attracts your tribe 100%. There's so many practices out you. there. No, it's <laughs> it's true. You're, the, there's doctors out there who's like, I'm scared to dismiss a patient. I'm like, no, let, sorry, let them. Is that your okay. ideal patient? Yeah, is, they're pushing back on your recommendation. And like the inmate is running the asylum. Why are we allowing this to happen? Yeah. This is not the right practice for you. Like Mr. Jones, we would love to treat you here. However, you have disease. You're asking me to do treatment for you that you don't qualify for. And the philosophy of this practice doesn't align with that. There's other practices that will be happy to do that for you. We're just oh, I tell them right them. away. I don't want to, I tell them right away. I don't want to do fraud. This is considered fraudulent. And if anything, if you have a smart lawyer, you will come back for me. I'm just covering the basis yeah. for you now. I tell them like, I don't know how they take that because they kind of always look at me with big eyes, but I was like, I'm just trying right. not to commit fraud. You have full autonomy. Now, mind you, I don't want to drop patients, right? Like that's what I was saying in my right. head, I never want to drop patients, but I want them to have the choice for the right care. Now, if you don't, as much as we want to stop having these people, these people and practices do the wrong thing, there will be practices out to them to take it because they're not listening to our podcast. Just saying. <laughs> Hit the but, like and subscribe button, please. <laughs> See show notes at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes we just get really frustrated as hygienists because we have all the responsibility and none of the authority or autonomy. So it, it sometimes is a little bit frustrating. But if anything, I think some of the key takeaways from this episode is use your voice, number one. Mm -hmm. Have conversations that are going to be productive. Don't make it I, me, mine. Make it about the practice and the patients and the care, yeah. right? Help help it grow. Because one of the things that I've noticed too in these salary surveys is not only are they talking about salary, but they're also talking about career satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times hygienists are looking for that more than they're looking for an increase in salary. And your example is a very beautiful synergy with that. Like 
instead of saying pay me more per hour, I'd rather you put this funding towards, you know, paying my CEs or giving me a day off or what have you, like a paid day off. Like what, those are other ways that you can still be generating income. So, you know, just think a little bit more strategically and learn how to use your uh, operating system, learn how to run some reports, some practices, like they, all those KPIs you were talking about before. Um, you know, I know there's one of the practices I worked with, we used dental intelligence for that. It, like it was a yeah. really easy dashboard to use and you could see and pull all your data out. Um, it's a great way to kind of look at like what's working, what's not working and continuing to have that growth mindset and try to see, okay, you know, Mr. Jones, we got a barrier with him. He doesn't really love to spend money on his dentistry. He doesn't really understand it. He's got a lower dental IQ. How do we help him? Yeah. Right. It's it's about how do we help them rather than like, oh, Mr. Jones coming is a pain in the ass. I can't stand him. I can't wait to get through that hour. So like we really got to flip our mindset. It's we not do. about I, us. It's about them. I think 100 percent we. End of the day, it's always going to be about them. But I, I, you know, I think did I say this the last time when you look at, you know, the airplane, um, we'd like to inform you of the features of this aircraft, <laughs> the safety features yeah. of this aircraft. You have to take care of yourself in the sense of like looking around and seeing if you are working ethically sound because, and you're well taken care of, your license is not on the line in order to properly take care of your patients. I think we forget that there's a sense of humanity when it comes to our work. This is just healthcare across the board. You guys, Mm -hmm. healthcare is a very hard industry to be in, in the sense of it's a lot of love and labor and you, Mm -hmm. but you swore an oath. I I do want to, be a little aggressive and say you guys or we we all excuse me we all took that oath we all we all have to be held accountable for that care because like my the the I think there wasn't my mom when she my my mom who's passed away she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer when I was five and I remember they tell me this all the time and I don't know why they say this to me specifically but um the doctors went to my mom and they're like oh you have cancer and you have about six months to live like it was just so flat no empathy right and like mind you I was five so my mom's thing my I can't imagine that sinking feeling in my mom where there was no empathy there was just like okay we need to get x y and z like there was no sense of like not remorse but just like love or humanity or compassion and the compassion doesn't always have in our case it doesn't always have to be direct to the patient's face like Mrs. Jones you have this it's thinking about what can I do to make this better for the patient that stands within their ethical means mm-hmm. like and so yeah. when I bring back to my mom I think about could that doctor have said something different and said I have a plan for you what is there anything else I can do to support you this is what I've tried to work on but if you have questions let's work together your insurance works this way um I don't think it's the the best insurance if you can you know work with your husband to f- figure out ways to get there if not we have an amazing team here of social workers that will get that for you like really just forget don't forget we come from a place of humanity yes it's a we're human and we have our own lives but we also we decided to take this profession and I'm sorry I'm tired of having to carry the weight like in my immediate community of like I love to be the example but I'm tired of carrying that weight of I'm the only one in in the room that's always like let's do this and everyone's like oh I'm tired we I gotta go I need my 10 minute break like there's there's more to this yeah. And if you, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been cleaning up messes for a very <laughs> long time or having to say to patients, why are, what are you do-? like explaining what I'm doing with a periodontal screening and then saying, why are you doing this? Is there a charge? No one's ever done this for me before. Blah, 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 blah. And, and like having to over explain care that they should have been receiving all along just because my colleagues failed to stay to their ethics and, and yeah. the standards that they were taught in their education. And, you know, even like to this day, when I take a patient's blood pressure, this is weird. Why are you doing this? Why would a dentist do this? Why would you be doing this here? This is, or, you know. <laughs> and that's where I just come back and I'm like, well, I'm sure you've heard the statistics of that blah, 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 with periodontal disease and heart disease. And we care about you as a person and, you know, your mouth is connected to your body. So you know like, I, I find so there's, there is a light at the end of the tunnel because you, you're ringing that up you know how every day I was telling you before I think you said this off off camera but I get the how long have you been doing this job because I'm young or like I'm yeah. a I'm a dude we talked about that last time too but now it's because I've been there for three years they know what I'm what they're walking into they're excited uh yesterday there was kids they're like 
I know you're going to stain my teeth. I did. I remembered where you told me to, to floss and brush. So hopefully that's not blue anymore. And then the other guy, his blood pressure was astoundingly better than I was like, wait, your blood pressure is so much lower. And I was like, there's battery in my blood pressure cuff. What's going on here? I went to the doctor. Oh, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh God, this is great. No, this is amazing. Cause it's those little things that like, okay, I did something right. Like we did it. We did it. Cause I didn't we see did this it. patient. That's it. Cause it was like, I think I didn't see that the patient that the blood pressure guy, I missed out on his last hygiene visit. One of my um, other teammates saw them, but we, I was looking back at the notes. I was like, huh, it's lo- It's like progressively getting better. Some are progressively exactly. getting higher, but no, this one was going better. And I was like, what did you do? And then you come and look in the mouth. What did you do? And he's like, Hey, that, you know, you guys, you guys did something. And now I know what what I'm, what I'm walking into. I used to hate it. Now I love it. You hear these stories, you hear these stories, but they're, you're changing lives. We are. And, and that's where we're like, okay, coming back to like, coming back to everything that I'm thinking about when I'm tired at the end of the day, like I think about, Oh dang, I did do something right. I can sleep soundly knowing that I did something right. Amen. Mm. Amen. I, I mean, that I think that's a beautiful <laughs> place to tie this up with a nice little bow and wrap this episode up because that's what it's about. I mean, we get tired. We get, we just get frustrated. Um, there's a lot of barriers in place, but if anything, I'm hoping that this episode is going to encourage you to just maybe look at look at your profession with fresh eyes. Where is your opportunity to grow? What do you have control over? Control mm-hmm. those controllables. And you know what? I love Maya Angelou so much. And there's one quote that was really funny because way back when, in one of the practices I was in, I uh, they would do a lot of work with consultants. And one day I walked in and they were like, oh, we're changing all of our new patient appointments from an hour and a half to 30 minutes. What do you think, Melissa? And normally I would have blown the hell up and be like, what do you think I think? I can't do anything in 30 minutes. And like just lost my shit. <laughs> but instead I just took a deep breath and I said, I'll do the best I can with the time you allow me. And I had that quote from Maya Angelou in my room and it said, like, I just had a tiny little piece of paper. I, I'm dating myself. It was on the, the freaking light box because that's how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it said, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, we're still in January of 2024 as we're recording this right now. It is, uh, I'm not about resolutions, but I am about like just being able to self-reflect and, and look at what's working, what's not working, and what can I do to make things better? What can I do to bridge the gap if we notice that there's something that, you know, needs to be done differently? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would just encourage our profession to, to open their eyes a little bit and be able to make 2024 a year where you're not complaining about problems, you're providing solutions. Oh, well, oh. that was the best way to end it. Stop complaining about problems. Think about solutions. Be solution based. Yeah. Be solution mind based. Yes. I mean, yeah. There's certain things, like I said, they're going to be out of your control. I'm not, you know, completely in la la land. Even though my family says I live there, um, <laughs> but but <laughs> you know, there's certain things that you're going to get barriers. But that's fine. It, it, you know, it's 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 a journey. It's not just a destination. It's a journey. So yeah. be flexible. Be curious. Yes. Ask questions. Ask your patient questions because a lot of times why they push back on stuff is because they're misinformed and it has nothing to do about you or the fact that you're the person taking the x-rays or you're the person asking them to do something. They don't have all the information and there's a way that you can gently educate them and, and create a safe space where they feel comfortable and you can get what you need done and they're okay with it. So it, it, come you, to the table. Yeah. You have the armamentarium, you have the knowledge, you have the skills, you use it. You, If there's anyone that's cheering you on, it's the rest of us. Like we're tired, but we're cheering. We want everyone to really feel like they're doing, like utilizing everything that they, their power. There is a power to being a hygienist. I know that sounds so corny, but there is. We learn so much. And every time that we spill, we spew out our, our knowledge to these patients, they're like, why aren't you a dentist? You're like, huh, because I'm a prevention specialist and a healthcare hygienist. That's why. And so, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand, because yeah. no, I understand, like I, right. we have that healthcare hygiene is in within all of us. Just that whole 
aspect. Now adding cute, you know, cute little things, it's nothing. It's an it's like working out. You know, if you're squatting, girl, you get in that back, you, you know, it's working, you see the difference, but you know that your lower back's hurting. So we just need to make a little adjustments. So that way you oh, look is. good and feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. You, that, mic drop. Boom. <laughs> so make 2024 the year of your own PRs, your personal records, and use your gym mindsets in your operatory. Put in the Ooh. good reps. Oh, I like that. Put in the good reps, man. Like just, you know, and, and don't, everything is learning. There's no such thing as failure. Failure is your first attempt in learning. You just learned how not to do it. Oh, yep. Adjust and go. Be flexible and be curious. I love right you. on that note. All things. All right. On that note, it's so much fun. Tabitha's oh, going to be jealous when she listens to this one. Sorry, Tabitha. Oh, I love you. Can, I, can, I still, can I mention real quick? Shout out to Tabitha because. I don't know how the hell this happened, but I was walking around at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. You gotta tell this story. Mind you, I live in Northern California. So I flew down to Southern California, go to Disneyland for my 30th birthday. And we're walking around and I'm I'm on a guided tour. I just had to throw that out there because I just felt like Kim Kardashian. I loved it. Um I was on a guided <laughs> tour and I see this. I'm like, this this girl looks familiar. And then I'm like, is that Tabitha? And I think she heard me. She's like, Kevin? And I was like, my cousin was with me. She's like, you know an Australian? I was like, girl, I, she wasn't, she wasn't really overseas across the, how <laughs> It was wild. And now every, my cousins and my cousins are like, oh my God, you are, you are an international hygienist. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is wild. It's no, so you are. You oh, are. I, shout out to Tab. Love you. <laughs> Tab, oh my god she sends me a text message and she's like i'm running around like in, in disney world in california i don't i literally know no one and i just hear someone yelling my name and i turn around and there's kevin <laughs> love it i like it, it was so i got the little screenshot picture we're gonna have to put that in the show notes too the picture of youtube at disney oh my god wait no that hat was that's horrid no <laughs> oh come on okay just do it just do it just do it it's fine <laughs> You're lovable and adorable no matter what. <laughs> All right, Kev, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this. And and thank just again, me. if you're of course. And if you're not following Kev Talks Teeth on Instagram, you need to be. So please go over there and do that. He shares just a wealth of really great information, which is all in alignment with what he shared with us today and in the first episode. So make sure that you're following this guy right here. He's doing big things. So be on the lookout. And uh, he is, of course, part of our Disruptor Nation. And until the next time, make sure you keep on disrupting it in your square, your neck of the woods. Wow, I can't speak English today. <laughs> All right, until next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers, and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you gave. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.